0: Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20. Beginning with verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You know, there's an eternal destiny for every one of us. When we die, we do not go out of existence. We don't go into nothingness. The writer of the Hebrew tells us, it's an appointed man wants to die, and then comes the judgment. Death and then judgment. We all know that God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace. God is a God of love. But God is also a God of judgment. The Old Testament prophets, they speak a lot about this. They call it the day of the Lord. Isaiah calls it the Lord of hosts, has a day against all that is proud and lofty. In Ezekiel, in chapter 30, God says, the day of the Lord is near. It's a day of gloom for the nations. The prominent feature in these judgment um, declarations by the prophets, the prominent feature is doom, resulting in darkness and resulting in, resulting in wailing, strong crying. The wicked are punished. Justice is established, destiny is determined, and God will act justly and decisively in that day. In the New Testament, in Second Peter three, it's called the day of God. Paul in Philippians calls it the day of the Messiah. Or the day of Christ, in chapter 1 of Philippians, and also in chapter 2. So I want us to look at today, I want us to look at this great white throne of judgment. And what is revealed here about this judgment. So first of all, in verse 11, he says, Then I saw a great white throne from him who was seated on it. It's a throne of power and authority. The judgment of of power and authority is on this throne here. John sees a great white throne. About 50 times in the book of Revelation, the word throne or thrones occur. Revelation is a book of judgment. And it's also a book about the one who sits on the throne in that judgment. Followed by, then, the new heaven and the new earth. Now, John describes it here as great. It's great because the throne of the one, it's great because of the one who sits on that throne is great. He is the judge of the whole earth. It's also great because of the work that's being done right here, the work that's transacted on this judgment day before the throne. This is a great and dreadful day. Jude calls it the judgment of the great day. John says he also sees a white throne it's white because of the judgment that's exercised here is pure and unadulterated it's not tainted in any way it's not tainted because of the one who's doing the judging is pure and holy and without sin john also tells us here that it's a throne Thrones are for rulers or sovereigns. And this is the highest throne. This is the ultimate throne. This is a throne that far exceeds any of Solomon's reign or any that exists even today. And this is the throne of final judgment. The second thing is, it's a judgment from the ultimate judge it says it says here in the verse then I saw a great white throne of him who was seated on it the question is who is the judge someone is seated on this throne someone that has ultimate authority someone that has the ability to judge without any prejudice at all who is the one that sits on this throne in all judgment? Who is the one that has been given the commitment of judging? Who is ordained to judge the living and the dead? Who is the one that is fit in every way to make all the pronouncements of this judgment? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it's called the judgment seat Of Christ. And he declares to the Romans in chapter 2 God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Paul tells Timothy, Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. So there's no doubt about who's sitting here. The one who is king of kings and lord of lords is sitting right here on this throne as John sees this. Now let's go previous to this and see what Jesus was about. Let's go to chapter 19 of Revelation. Let's begin with verse 11. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe, on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This judge is seated on this throne now, the great white throne. He has a position of full authority, the word of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And he is able and will judge The entire earth, every single person that has ever lived and is living now. Jesus the Christ. Now up to this point in Jesus' ministry, Jesus has had a prophetic ministry while he was on earth. As he proclaimed the word and and preached the truth. As we see him now, he has a priestly ministry. As he is before the Father, mediating before before God in our behalf. But one day, he will have a kingly ministry. The Bible says earlier in Revelation that he will come and he will establish a kingship on earth where he will be in charge of the entire planet for a thousand years. And also, sitting here on the throne... He is king of kings and lord of lords. And because of this kingly ministry, he has full authority to exercise the will of God. John tells us here, look at this, in this first verse, in his very presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. For for them. This is the kind of power and authority that Christ exerts in all eternity. Following this, we have a new heaven and a new earth that will be established. But here is the great white throne. Throughout the Bible, we see, God, we see God's creation reacting to his presence. As, this, as the earth and sky fled away... We see this when psalmist describes it, uh, the waters, he says, when the waters saw God, he says in Psalm 77, they were afraid. So here in Revelation, sky and earth, they just, they just disappear. They just vanish before his presence. The third thing is about this throne and about this judgment that it's a judgment of equity Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 17 God says this you shall not be partial in judgment you shall hear the great and the small alike you shall not be intimidated by anyone for the judgment is God so what does John see here in this verse He sees in in verse 12, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Standing before the throne with no partiality in judgment. God has summoned the wicked. We'll talk about where the Christians are a little bit later. But right now, this is a judgment of the wicked. God has summoned the wicked He has summoned the wicked out of the graves. He has summoned the wicked who are present, who are alive at this judgment. He has summoned all the wicked before him to stand in the final judgment. Nothing is able to hold anybody in their grave. They will be summoned before God, taken out of their graves, and given a body that will be suited for their destiny. They'll be summoned from the sea. They're summoned from the mountains. They're summoned from death and Hades. There is nowhere that anyone will be able to hide. There's no one that will be able to say, you know, God really doesn't know how I live. God really doesn't know what I think. Let's ask the question, what does God know right now? If nobody will be able to say, God really doesn't know what I know, what I, what I know or what I think, what does God know about us? Let's turn to Psalm 139. You're probably pretty familiar with that. This is a psalm that's pretty important in light of the Supreme Court decision. Psalmist David says, beginning with verse 1, Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. He knows everything. About us. And then it says, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? How do I get out of here, Lord? (laughs) If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, And the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. When the writer to the Hebrews says, as an appointed time wants to die, it's God who makes the appointment. He's the one that intricately created us and formed us in the womb of our mothers. He's the one that holds our days. Every single day is in his hands and the end will be in his appointed time for each one of us. Luke 16, Jesus says, you are those who justify yourselves before men, as he's speaking to the religious leaders. Now this won't happen before the throne of of judgment right here. Before the great white throne of judgment, all mouths will be shut. There's no justification coming forth from our mouths. Jesus tells the religious leaders, that's exactly what you do. You judge yourselves before men. But God, he said, knows your heart. For what is exalted among men, Jesus said, is an abomination in the sight of God. So lest we forget, or lest we ignore, or lest we don't even believe, God is pure omniscience. He knows absolutely everything, even before I speak a word. David says, God knows what I'm going to say. And the same for all of us. Everything is transparent before God. All our thoughts, all our desires, all our actions, all our motives. He sees it all. It's laid out all before him. There is no way we can ever hide from him anywhere Therefore, at the judgment, he will be totally impartial. All will face the same judge. And notice it says here, and they are standing before the throne. Everybody will face the judge in God's courtroom, great and small, famous and obscure, rich and poor, with total impartial justice. Daniel seven, verse ten, records a scene of them before the Ancient of Days, God, and it says this: the court sat in judgment, and the books were open. So the fourth thing, fourth thing, I want us to look at, is the judgment record from these books. Let's look at this verse. He says, verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what they had, what was written in the books. First of all, the books were open. Who are these people that are standing here? We already talked about that. These are the unbelievers. These are the wicked. These are those that have rejected Christ. These are those that have rebelled against God and trusted, have not trusted Jesus Christ for their salvation. All is revealed. Nothing is hidden from God. Nothing is left out before God's judgment. All the secrets of every person, of every heart who has ever been born is laid out in these books. These are those who have exchanged the glory of God for trinkets, Paul tells us in Romans 1. Are those standing here or the ones who, like Esau, who exchanged their birthright for a bowl of stew in Exodus 25, I mean Genesis 25? These are ones who have rejected the natural law. Paul says there's no excuse, yet the heavens and earth that are created by God, it's all visible in Romans 1. These are the names who are not written in the Lamb's book of life. As as, uh, John sees another book here, the book of life, Jesus says in John 12, verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge, the word which I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So here, before the throne, those that have rejected Christ will hear his word again. This is the day. The great white throne judgment day. In Daniel 12, it says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt, or abhorrence. Now we know, in Revelation here, that the Christians have already been raised from the dust of the earth. And the reason is, is because they are going to reign with Jesus On the earth, that thousand years. So they're raised from the dead. They have been judged. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3 that all people have sinned. No one, he said, seeks God. There's no one that's righteous. He said, their paths are ruin and misery. There's no fear of God before their eyes. When they sin, they don't tremble because they have no fear of God. And this is all of us before Christ. Paul also writes in Romans 3, every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, he says, no human being will be justified in God's sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin, not justification. Have we broken any of the Ten Commandments? The answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, and yes. Jesus went so far as to say that if you've lusted, you've actually committed adultery. If you've hated, you've actually committed a murder in God's eyes. We've all raised up idols of some kind. We are sinners, rebels against God, our creator. Every one of us, everyone who has ever lived is held accountable by God in his courtroom and the verdict is guilty until we have Jesus. Now the Christian will reign for a thousand years, as we said earlier. They've already been raised. They've already been judged. Revelation 20 says, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. Thousand years are ended, now God summons everybody else, all the wicked from all, from all time, to stand before Christ's judgment. Then what? After the judgment, Satan is released for a time, or before that, I should say, Satan is released for a time, and then he is thrown into the lake of fire along with the prophet and the beast. And then comes this judgment of the wicked. These are the ones standing before Christ who have built their lives on sand and not on the rock. Matthew 7. These are the weeds growing among the good seed. In Matthew 13. These are the people who have heard the word, God's word, and it fell on hard and anxious and busy hearts. And God's invitation was rejected because other things were more important. Luke chapter 8. These are the ones standing here who rejected Christ, the treasure and the pearl of great price. Matthew 13. These are the ones who think all is well between them and God. They believe that they are ready for the upcoming wedding, but their lamps were not trimmed when the bridegroom Jesus came and the door was shut and they were left out. Matthew 25. These are the people who have rejected Jesus' call of discipleship, Jesus' call of lordship, and they've preferred other things over Jesus. Jesus declared in Matthew chapter 17, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a scary, scary verse. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7, enter my kingdom enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And he said there are many who enter it. Right here at the great white throne of judgment, these are the many. And then he says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard or constricted that leads to life. And he says, there are few who find it. When we are judged by what we have done, that's what it says here. People are going to be judged by what they have uh, have done. The result is failure. Paul tells us in Romans 3, no one does good. No person enters the kingdom of God by what they have done by their works. Nothing unclean or imperfect will ever enter into heaven. And so the standard for entrance into heaven is perfection. Jesus said in Matthew 5, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's the only way we enter into eternity with God. So if all are sinners, and we are, we're never perfect in our behavior, our attitudes, our motives, our thoughts. Until we realize we have absolutely no merit before the judgment of Christ at the great white throne, we will be lost forever. We have no merit The fifth thing I want to look at here is the judgment of record from the book of life. Look at verse 12 again. He says, Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. In Revelation 13, 8, it's called the book of of life of the Lamb. In Revelation 21, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. So who has their name engraved in this book? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start with verse 1. Paul says to the Ephesian church, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And here's the good news, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Those who are in the Lamb's book of life, they are not boasters, except they only boast in Christ. Those in the Lamb's book of life are those that God has gotten a hold of their heart, And Paul tells the Colossians, he's taken them out of the domain of darkness and he's put them into the light of Christ Jesus, the Savior. Those are the ones whose hearts have been changed from rebellion to God to desire to follow God. That's who's in the Lamb's Book of Life. The ones before Christ at the great white throne are those who have not been taken from the domain of darkness. But those in the Lamb's book of life have been. Paul says in Romans 3, it is those who understand that they are lost in sin and are only acquitted by God's grace as a gift. It's a gift. There's no merit in it at all. There's a gift. No merit from us. It's because Jesus took our place. Christ took my place. He took the wrath of God. He took the great white throne judgment at the cross for those who trust him. In Galatians 2 Paul writes that a person is not justified before God by their works, but only through faith in Christ Jesus. So notice here in Revelation 12 and 13, let's read verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in it, who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they have done. Notice here that those standing before Christ in this great white right throne are judged by what they have done in life. And we already talked about that for a minute. All they have done does not make the standard of God to enter heaven. It doesn't matter what the all we have done is. It won't cut the mustard to enter the kingdom of God. Nor do our works in any way count in such a way that if we have this big scale, I put my sin on one side and I put my works on what I do in life on this side and somehow that it weighs down and my sins are forgiven and forgotten. No, 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 no. The sins are too heavy for all the works. Paul tells us that our righteousness, that our works, they're just filthy rags. They cannot take away our guilt before God. Galatians 3, Paul says that everyone who is cursed is the one who does not obey God's law. And it's Jesus hanging on the tree who took the curse because I did not obey the law. He took it for me and for you. Jesus tells Nicodemus, You must be born again. So it's the born-again crowd that's in the Lamb's book of life. Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and the people were cut to their heart, cut, cut to their heart, and they cried out, What should we do? Peter responded, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Now, baptism doesn't save us, but it identifies us. And for these people, baptism, to be identified in baptism in in the first century, meant that you were now susceptible to the Romans hanging you on a cross. Again, Paul tells the Roman church, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life, Romans 6. So those whose names are printed in the book of life, they've already been judged. But they have been judged not by their own goodness, because that's all filthy rags. They have been judged by the righteousness of Christ. They have been judged by the merit of Christ. They have been judged by the life of Christ. They have been judged by the perfect sacrifice of Christ. And that righteousness of Christ has now been counted to them, and they don't deserve any of it. Christians might be standing before the great white throne. But if they are, they are wrapped in the asbestos righteousness of Christ. They have been judged. They have been judged by Christ's merit and not theirs. Finally, I want to look at this great white throne judgment as a judgment of finality. Let's look at verse fourteen. John says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in to the lake of fire. The lake of fire is hell. The devil, the beast, the prophet false prophet, death and Hades, they've already been thrown into that lake. In Revelation 20, verse 10. Look at that up above here. It says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they were tormented day and night forever. Now is the judgment for all whose names are not written in that book of life. They're judged to be sinners. They're judged to be rebels against the living God. They're judged to be enemies of God. And now they are thrown into the lake of fire. The wrath of God is poured out on them in hell forever and ever and ever writer to the hebrews says our god is a consuming fire the books are closed the judgment is rendered and it's rendered guilty let me read another description of hell they're tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night. These worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever received the mark of its name. And it's also, we know here, everybody else whose name was not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Where is your name written? where is your name written where is my name written may may these words never be said of you or i he was thrown into the lake of fire let's pray